now, live, and by that we mean recorded in advance, from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a foxy glove-shaped state, it's the Gut Check Podcast with your hosts, Ted Clough and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to... (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Gut Check. (laughs) Never mind, we're going to save that for next week. Hey, Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles here. Uh, as always on the Gut Check Podcast, uh, good to be back in the studio, Zach. Uh, we've got a great show on tap. Uh, we got a special guest, uh, one Cliff Graham, and a very special energy drink review this morning. So let's, uh, without further ado, let's dive right into that thing. Are you ready? Yeah, I think we need, before I even crack the can here, we need to yeah. talk a little bit about the aesthetic here. Oh boy, the can itself. I, I, you know, seizure-inducing, I think, doesn't even begin to do justice to how busy this can is. You know what this looks like to me? <laughs> This looks like the arm, the the, the the arm tattoo of like a bro guy from the 90s <laughs> who knew just enough about like Irish culture to sort of, you know, get get wasted at a party and get a tattoo artist to, to put something like this all over his arm. Are you with me on that? Yeah, and, that and, and that guy wants to describe the meaning, the deep meaning of every aspect of that tattoo to everyone he talks to. Yeah, dude, it's kind of like a Celtic, like Celtic warrior not. thing. Yeah, like a... Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I like about it? What? The uh the kind of design element around the the outside of the Monster M. Yeah. On this Java Monster Coffee Energy Irish blend. Irish again, blend. again with yeah. all the names. Yeah, yeah, a lot is, of names. Is that it's kind of like an Aztec Irish kind of yes. thing. Yeah, because the Aztecs and the Irish had a lot of kind of cultural overlap <laughs> in terms of their their synergy with each other. It's like an Aztec psychedelic yeah, I like. I feel like if you look close enough, you should be able to find those little Grateful Dead skeletons like dancing yeah, exactly. somewhere in here. Oh my gosh! And, and we've got the copy. Do you want to do a little reading on the copy? Yeah, let's do a dramatic read on the copy. Okay, so this is a Java Monster Irish Blend. No foam, extra hot, half calf. No whip, soy latte. Enough of the coffee house BS already. Oh, they're cutting right through cutting it. Cutting right through it. That's right. It's time to get out of the line and step up to what's next. <laughs> <laughs> Java Monster Irish Blend. <laughs> Premium coffee and cream brewed up with authentic Irish flavor. Supercharged with Monster Energy Blend. Coffee done the monster way. Meaning, <laughs> meaning coffee done meaning for grossly. people with like, uh, the, the, the mustache that's not really quite a mustache. Yes, yet. exactly. Baby, I'm going to suggest that we crack this can open ASAP because this is the kind of drink that's going to get super gross if it even gets a few degrees cool, uh, warmer. You know what I mean? Uh, by, judging by the smell, it's already super gross. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about You went right past the nose, right to... Uh... <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? Can I describe the smell for yeah, a minute? go for it, man. You know what this smells like to me? Yeah. Remember when you were young, when you were like newly married, and you were like looking for apartments with your wife? Yeah, yeah. And you would walk into an apartment, and you could tell that it had been just freshly painted. <laughs> oh, the wheeze! Yeah, the wheezing man. The, oh, the, that's great. The nose on this energy drink is is like fresh apartment paint <laughs> mixed with like carpet. You know what I mean? But but old carpet that's had like old some, carpet. some of that powder thrown on it and vacuumed up to try yeah, and get rid exactly. of like the exactly. Oh my gosh! Hey, have it have a sip there. I don't you just be had a sip. I want you to talk about what you tasted while I take my. Let first me tell sip. you what when I when I taste this, I close my eyes, I have a little drink, I roll it around a little bit. Okay, I'm experiencing. Gosh, that's awful. Oh, I was gonna say I'm experiencing basically like. Uh, a big sea of roasted, fresh, organic 
Colombian coffee beans. Okay. Ground to perfection. Gosh, this is quite know? a word picture. And and then and perfectly expertly brewed mm. by leprechauns <laughs> who hate me. Okay. Nice, baby. Nice. Very vivid. Oh my gosh. This yeah, this is horrible. Awful. Yeah, it's this the is the Irish awful. blend, man. It is the Irish blend. This is non alcoholic, right? Because it is like nine in the morning. Yeah, I hope so, man. It's five <laughs> o'clock somewhere. But uh, wow. Well, this is uh, this is clearly one that we will not be getting again, based on both uh, the seizures that we had when we looked at the can, <laughs> and also how gross it tastes. But coffee. Mostly that. Hey, it's coffee done the monster way. Wide mm. open. Wide open. With a sure. take no prisoners attitude and the experience and know how to mm. back it up. Yeah, because I go to Monster for the know-how. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, yeah. I feel like I go there for the science, you know, for the for the knowledge of this genre. It's not because you have a headache. No, right, Never. right, and it's not because I just happen to be at a gas station that has these. <laughs> the last line. Want to read that last line for us? I, I want to hear your delivery there, man. Irish blend is a taste straight. <laughs> I just looked at the last word. Irish blend is a taste straight from the old sod. <laughs> what the crap does that mean? I don't know. From the old land, I guess. It tastes like to... old sod, I think is the is the idea. You here. know what would be perfect, you know, poetic justice? What's that? If the Boondock Saints were real and just mm. for dragging the name of of Ireland, of Ireland the in old general. Sod through yeah, the sod, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Exactly. I do know what you're saying. Oh, eight, eight, eight. it's time to hook up with Cliff Graham here. Cliff, how you doing? This is Zach. Oh, good, man. It's This is the highest honor of my life to date, I got to tell you. <laughs> oh, dude, you know, I, we, we know and, and you know, we, we've been in this position before. So uh, just don't be nervous. Don't be intimidated by, you know, the idea okay. of us talking into a computer. Uh, no, I, my, my palms are sweaty. I'm just, I hope you guys like me at the end of this. This is how nervous <laughs> I am. So it's like... <laughs> dude, I understand, man. I understand that fear completely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sure. You know, just just to set the bar insanely high, mm-hmm. I'd like to uh, I'd like to introduce Cliff by reading his bio. All right, from his from his newest book, uh, Shadow of the Mountain. Okay. Which, when does this come out, Cliff? You know, I have no idea. How's that sound for you? <laughs> I think it, I think it's May fifteenth, but don't quote me on that. But I, I think it's May fifteenth. Essentially, you've learned that nothing happens on quote-unquote release day, and so yeah, you've stopped yeah, caring. Your life changes in no discernible way on the day that your book drops. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it's one of those like you wake up and you tell your wife in the morning, hey, honey, it's release day. She goes, oh, that's awesome. You know, the kids need their teeth brushed, and that's kind of how release day functions. <laughs> that's pretty much it, man, in a nutshell. The glitz and glamour of publishing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The limousine waits for you out front and, and all that. I know that. <laughs> well, here, here, here's the uh, bio here. Cliff Graham is a former soldier and officer in the United States Army who now spends his time writing, speaking, and operating a growing series of media franchises. He has degrees <laughs> in military science and political science and did his graduate studies in theology and ministry. He is the author of the best-selling Lion of War series about King David's mighty men. He lives with his wife, Cassandra. I See, I always thought her name was the Spartan Queen. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a real name. That's a real name. <laughs> and their children, and speaks at churches, conferences, and to men's group all over the United States. He also occasionally kills lions in snowy pits just for fun. <laughs> he can be yes. found online at cliffgram.com. Jeez, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, I, I, I don't know if you guys have been told this before. I'm sure that the Gut Check Army has told you. But I'm starting to see life through the prism of Chaz Marriott. And so I, I realize that every... 
I mean, every bio that you submit about yourself, I just have to chuckle. I'm like, man, I just sound like Chaz Marriott every time I'm trying to promote myself. You know, I I mean, there's there's a little bit of hesitation in your voice, but I I think let me be the first to say that's a that's a great thing, and I think you'll you'll see the results in your uh, in your business endeavors. Well, and and the difference, I I don't I don't want to like blow that out of the water and say you're not like Chaz, but (laughs) and that you couldn't be like Chaz. But when when this says that uh, you you operate a growing series of media franchises, I assume that refers to like your books, your, the movie, uh, your podcast, uh, you know, your curriculum. Chaz actually has the exact same phrase mm-hmm. in, in his bio, uh, which it might mean some litigation in your future. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> Chaz is referring to, um, let's see, the uh, chores, the divided chores list that he has with Steven Seagal. Right. That's, a, that's considered a, a wing of his media empire. Uh, all that Chaz, which yeah. is business and all that Chaz, business and yeah, all that Chaz. That's his podcast that lasted uh, one episode. Also, the nice. the, uh, the spec script for uh, Spinning Backfist, which was the the, the TV pilot that they were going to have oh, together. Spinning Backfist is the band. Oh my Come bad, on, man. my bad. Come on, <laughs> I, I know Chaz. No, we're not. The use of the word franchise just I, it, for the first time. I mean, that it, it's technically accurate, but you know, on the Gut Check podcast, reading through my own bio, I'm like, wow, I. Chaz and I really have something going with this franchise word because you know it, 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 the only word missing there was transmedia franchise. Oh, that's the other kind yeah, of cat. I love it. Chaz actually invented the word franchise. <laughs> uh, I, I assumed. I assumed. Now, Ted, isn't franchise like your imaginary megachurch? Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> franchise. When I when I created a megachurch on uh, that other podcast that I'm a part of, when, uh, when I, yeah. <laughs> when, when I. <laughs> it was called uh, it was called the franchise. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Now, Cliff, I'm assuming most everybody listening knows who you are and, and why you are great, but maybe you could uh, just tell us a little bit about like how you got into writing books and, and how you, you know, kind of established yourself in this uh, kind of rekindling the, the biblical fiction uh, thing and, and, and all that. Which, let me just say, I think is hugely needed. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, in Christian publishing in general, just the idea of books that are written for men, but... Uh, but especially books like this. So uh, hats off to you, man, for the work that you're doing. So yeah, tell us a little bit about it. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, and I tell you, it's I could be. One thing I'll never do is be able to go to a you know like a writers conference or some kind of publishing industry thing and explain you know from A to Z how to quote unquote make it in this because I, I really fell backwards into the whole thing. Um, the the I, I tried to follow Chaz's advice, but. You know, by that point, it was a little farther down the field. No, I, I was a youth pastor. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a pastor's home, so I was, I'm a PK. And then I uh, got into ministry myself. I was in the Army for a while. And I realized when I was trying to tell these, uh, you know, teach soldiers, teach, you know, teenage boys that they just, you know, I don't know, I guess they thought of the whole Bible was just Jesus petting lambs. Um, they, they didn't think in terms of there was passion and adventure and, and really, you know, grit and dirt there. And so I think it... It just got on my in my heart to to start writing it, tell the story of David and his warriors in a in a band of brothers kind of way. And, and one of the things I wanted to avoid was, you know, trying to avoid this kind of rah rah faux masculinity. Let's just go kill stuff, and that's what men of God do. It, it was more about what is what is war, and what's the cost of war, and how do men respond to it. And and that was kind of what motivated it. And I think it was because that's a deeply masculine thing. Whatever that war looks like in the modern age, it doesn't have to be. Let's all go spear a leopard. I mean, it's it's about what. You know what do we do as men? That is that is the hard duty that we're called on to do as husbands and fathers. And so I, I'm just I'm fascinated by that concept. I'm fascinated by you know these side characters like Benaiah, 
um, who is, yeah, you don't really know much about him except for the climbing into the pit on a snowy day and killing a lion. And you see him pop up in these kind of cameo appearances, but then he's really the, go ahead. Sorry. The way that you, the way that you wove that into that book was freaking spectacular. Okay, cool. And, and, what, and, 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 you know, we're going to just kind of like fluff you up this whole time. It's just, I, a, I, Hey, I, I'll log in anytime if you want to do that, man. I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 but what I love about your, your writing is that, I mean, I've, I've, got an MDiv and I've, I, I read, you know, the, I, I start with the original languages whenever I'm, I'm working on a sermon and, and I'll be reading your books and be, and I'll all of a sudden realize, wait a minute, that's who this guy is, or that's what's about to happen. Like something I've read in the Bible 30 times. And then all of a sudden I'm, Oh, that's, and, and, and you make, you make it all of a sudden come out of left field so that it's not a story we know. Okay, yes. go ahead. No, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's almost a, a boutique approach, if you will. It's a, uh, it's taking those little things that are are in the Bible that I think, you know, I guess if you think about the way the story of David or the story of Moses is always done is you get, you know, start to finish the life of David or the life of Moses and you open with David and Goliath, um, you know, you get to uh, David and Bathsheba and then it's just kind of the end and you cover all these years and all these, this, this massive scope and, and that's fine. I, I just, I was more in, intrigued by the idea of, hey, let's jump on the battlefield with these guys. I think that first book, the one you're referring to, Day of War, the, the whole plot takes place in like 10 days, which as far as I know, it doesn't exist elsewhere in, in the, the genre of biblical fiction, that very brief snapshot where you're just kind of, uh, I hate to drop all these movie references, but you think of something like Saving Private Ryan, where that whole movie takes place in just a few days, and you're following them, you know, following them through one specific conflict. And, and I wanted to do the same thing with the Bible because it, it just sort of broadens the scope of the narrative. And, you know, and, and those side characters, you know, you look at someone like Benaiah and he's the one that was responsible for putting Solomon on the throne. But I bet the number of people that know that is in a handful, um, you know, but he's the one that sort of put his support behind Solomon and Bathsheba came to him. And so he's this old, you know, I just see him as kind of this, you guys drop a lot of diehard references and kind of a John McClane type guy. Nice. You know, he, he's, he's there, dirty, scarred, killing who needs to be killed, but, but doing it with a sorrowful heart, that whole thing. Mm. That's our boy Benaiah. That's awesome, man. Killing Joab, dragging him away from the horns of the <laughs> right. altar. That's so hardcore. The dirty work guy. Yeah, absolutely. The dirty work guy. So. Dude, so how do you think it is that, you know, the whole manhood thing has gotten so contrived and kind of uh, sad in evangelical culture? <laughs> kind of sad. <laughs> I can already name the conferences I'm not going to be invited to again by just answering that question. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. We'll, we'll, yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll start our own. We'll start our own. We'll start our oh, own. The gut check men's there's conference. an idea. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, you know, that's such a great question. I think a lot about it because it's not, I mean, the irony of me saying this is not lost on me. I mean, you go to my website and there I am drawing a bow, you know, an arrow back on a bow and like I'm about to hunt and kill something. And I, and I guess that that's, that's authentic to me because I like those kinds of pursuits. I like the, you know, I, I love the hunting. I love the outdoors. Um, but I also don't believe that that's how, you know, that's the path to God is to simply go out there and find something living and bring death to it. I think right. it's, um, you know, I, I think it's very much a, uh, a process of I, when I think of manhood, I'm thinking of what are those key elements that that a man is about, and and I can't get away from something like sacrifice, where the mm -hmm. Bible talks about you know Christ gave himself up just like a husband's supposed to. I look at okay, whatever it is you're doing and whatever your interests are, you should be in the business of giving yourself up. It's you're the one that takes the arrow, you're the one that eats last at the table. 
you know, that, that self-sacrificing, um, th- th- that's intensely manly to, to be that way because it shows that you have discipline and control over your lusts and, and you're willing to, to live for a higher cost. So, man, I, I'm telling you, I don't think anything any less of anyone who doesn't hunt, doesn't love to fish, all that stuff, as long as they're living in a way that shows that, hey, I'm, I'm fierce of purpose, then I think that's as manly as it gets, man. That's that's how I see it. Great answer. And I think that's such an important distinction because often we tend to make it about the activity, whether it's hunting, whether it's smoking a cigar, whether it's mm-hmm. you know, doing this or that. And and really, I mean, as we raise our boys, you know, we, we realize more and more that it's about the sacrifice piece. It's about being courageous. You know, it's about um, confronting the right things at the right times. And, you know, you, you think about all those things as you try to navigate young boys through the lives that, that they're living. And, you know, manhood isn't about some kind of contrived, you know, ceremony that uh, that that happens when they reach a certain age. But, but rather, I think is uh, it, it's all those little things. You know, it's it's all those little things that they're faced with, and and trying to teach them how to navigate that. Yeah, and and you've got this. I think, and I to be clear, I think it's all good according to how each culture and each family is. I mean, I I've been a part of some really cool stuff where guys will you know they'll do the whole sword thing and. And it's, yeah. and it's, it's awesome. I, I just, I'm, I'm with you all the way and that it doesn't have to be that it, it can right. be something else. And, and I mean, look, I'm a huge sports fan, huge football fan. And, and I remember the day that I, I was playing it, I was playing that sport through high school and then I just got this love of drama. And so, I mean, imagine my dad, when I come home one day, I'm like, Hey dad, I'm going to, you know, stop playing football and get involved in the theater club. Yeah. <laughs> but he was, but he was, he was totally cool with it. He said, son, I, I want you to pursue you know what God has for you. I want you to chase that and and make sure that that's something that you you know you want to be fired up about. And he stood by and watched that and supported it. And never missed a play. And mm. and so I you know I, I well rounded beyond that. I love all sorts of pursuits. I like to think of myself as a Renaissance man, if you will, and uh, have lots of uh, lots of lots of pursuits. But but I just remember watching my dad respond to my Hey, Dad, I'm quitting football and doing theater. I mean, how many dads would just overreact like a moron to that? And you know. He just he just didn't do that. He was all over it. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, Zach, should we uh, transition from something uh, exceedingly manly to something not manly at all, and have uh, and have Cliff be the celebrity reader of a of a certain tweet oh, by a yeah. certain author? That, is that it time like for that? I, I think it is time for that. Let's fire up the randomizer. Okay. Um, fire up the 1980s randomizer. Big piece of machinery here in the studio. Hey, <laughs> little uh, little inside uh, piece of information, Cliff. Mm-hmm. We add the randomizer sound later. Yeah. No, there, there there is no randomizer. We just pick a tweet. I I, I just feel so disillusioned right now. I, I really. <laughs> uh, we're letting you behind the curtain of the radio business, and by radio, we of course mean two guys sadly talking into a computer. In <laughs> I'm just I I, I I was so hoping that there was this giant metal thing that you guys sat next to and pushed a button and it just bleeped and did lights and you can imagine that still <laughs> okay I I, I think I'll prefer to keep imagining it I'll prefer to keep imagining it. <laughs> all right well and, and in keeping with that just so you know it's it's pretty high tech and and I if my calculations are correct the tweet is actually now on your phone <laughs> I mean I, I sure enough I, I look down and I see it and I'm I'm just so grateful for the modern technology. We have a randomizer to text function. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's an app that we built. <laughs> Did Chaz do some consulting on that app? Did he give you yeah, the marketing Chaz's programming? He wrote the wrote the software for it. That's outstanding. Uh, right. Without further ado, man, let me uh, let me set this segment up for the listeners if they're new to the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, each week, almost every episode, we skip it sometimes, but uh, we have uh, a celebrity or ourselves reading 
uh, a Rachel Held Evans tweet, a randomly generated Rachel Held Evans tweet. And, the, and kind of the, the, the kicker here, the concept is that um, even though we, we make our livings with our words and we make our living <laughs> clever with our words, uh, we can't, we're not allowed to react to it in any way uh, at all. Okay. So okay. That's, that's kind of the challenge. Uh, so yeah. Cliff, take it away, man. It's a formidable challenge, may, may I add, but I'll uh, it is. It really is. All right, here we go. Here we go. Boarding yet another plane. I'm thinking I'll introduce myself to my next seatmate as, quote, the most polarizing woman in evangelicalism, end quote. Wink, wink face, end quote. <laughs> I, I just I, laughing. Was it, was it the way that he said wink face? Yeah, that was it. It was just the way he said wink face. I, I can be certain that Cliff Graham has never said the words of wink face on the air in, in the promotional cycle for one of these books. Uh, it, it expand, but isn't it all about expanding our horizons? I feel like that's kind of the the post emergent, the post post emergent. You know, wherever we are now in the emergent movement, you yeah. know, just, that that ability for a guy like me to. To say wink face and not be mocked and scorned for it. I feel Dude, like that's, that's right, man. That's that's the most manly thing that you can do. To in say this wink face and have that yeah. affirmed, you know? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. And and have I mean it's it's never about the objective truth of whether I should say wink face. It's only about did I say it in a in a convicting way for myself. No. Wink oh. face is part of your story and your journey. <laughs> <laughs> Be the most polarizing man in evangelicalism. Right? I, I just, that, that's of not course. that's a fair goal. I feel like you know, and do you guys want a, a funny Rachel Held Evans story? That's not really about her. It's about me, dude. Um, of course we do. You know, it, it, well, okay. So I when I first wrote my book Day of War, this is I, I don't know a number of years ago, and yeah. and so she had just gotten her first book deal from Zondervan, and so we I don't I don't know through it was some kind of weird like social mingle, you know online, you know, high school prom dance party for authors or something like that. But it, <laughs> we somehow got connected and, and I, um, and, and she's like, Hey Cliff, um, good to meet you. You know, what, what's your book about? I think she's expecting that I'm writing some, I, I don't know, Ted Cluck type book, you know, where some kind of thought provoking, you know, deep intellectual examination of the Christian faith you know, whatever. I, I, I think she thought that's what I was writing. And I told her, well, I, it's this war novel about this guy, Beniah, who fights all of King David's battles. And, and I go on this whole just explanation of all, basically all the death, maiming, and killing that is in my book. <laughs> like she's into that. Yeah. Right. And she just replied, cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, I love it. She's so smug. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I just I feel like we probably weren't going to be besties after that. Um, yeah. You know, she's she's she was real kind and everything, but I had to think you probably can have more worlds collide. On, you know what? On her podcast, she probably reads like Cliff Graham and, and Zach Bartle's tweets. Right. <laughs> I, I'm sure that it's it's <laughs> meta of a meta, meta of a meta, of a meta. It's meta of a meta. Exactly. It's meta of a meta. Hey, hey, Cliff, do you mind if I read a really short, just two paragraph uh, excerpt from this new book? Yeah, man, go for it. I, I'm, I'm going to try and hide my head in shame, but go for it. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Why do you attack the legs, thought most asked me, as we piled bodies. I was impressed again at his willingness to get his hands dirty with the work. A wounded man is far more valuable to us than a dead one. He screams in pain and makes his comrades upset as they listen to him. Winky face. <laughs> you got to be true to who you are. And I, think- I, 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 I didn't realize Caleb oh, used yeah. emoticons. I didn't realize Caleb used emoticons. Like, <laughs> hey, I, when we're talking about books, I'm, I'm curious. Ted and I, you know, have been doing this thing for about five years, uh, kind of indie 
punk rock under the radar mm-hmm. imprint, I guess you'd call it. Um, yeah. And and so we're really curious about your kind of megalithic uh, media conglom and, and how it is that you wound up initially kind of breaking with, I mean, you had the, the book deal, you were selling a zillion books, and then you wound up uh, doing these things on your own, um, and then uh, kind of came back around and are doing, uh, this book is with a, a major publisher. I'm curious about kind of the story behind that. Yeah, well, I mean, a, a zillion is, is, you know, that's a little generous, but I'll take it. I mean, if, this is, if the point of this podcast is to fluff me up, you guys are doing a great job of it, I, I just got to tell you. But, um, you know, I, I tell you, we did, um, so back, re, you know, jump back in the way back machine and go back a little bit here to when I first was publishing that line of war series about King David, I, um, th- I wrote that for my youth group, straight up, just 35 kids in my youth group, uh, didn't think you'd go beyond that, but one door kept opening after another, you know, some filmmakers found it and, and they, they started using the catchphrases that became appealing to be, you know, the transmedia and all that stuff. And so we started talking about, how to how to tell stories through a lot of mediums, um, not just in a, oh we we came up with a good idea let's try and milk it for all it's worth, but hey how do we tell a unique story in each individual medium of this tale? You know how do we you know sort of show that? So what what I did was we we decided to go the traditional route um, through Zondervan uh, for for the first two books, and and it was fine. You know they were they were good partners for that. It's there's very much as you guys will know there, there's very much a a ghetto mentality uh, as far as Christian publishing goes where I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that there's, there's a specific box you have to fit into or it's not going to work for you in the long term. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm a grateful guy, man. I have nothing bad to say as, but but I just realized that over time, the kind of content I was trying to do, it just wasn't going to fit that very well. So, um, and we'll get to, we'll get to the, the the plot twist in a minute with Bethany and the, the Amish fiction that I now yeah. partner with. But so I'm, Amish fiction, I think, is the wave of the future. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. So so we did this, you know. I, I published that, and then it started to get play around with the independent side of things. We have some capabilities um, through some partnerships that we formed between myself and this group called Global Virtual Studio that has, it's basically all these Hollywood artists and design artists that are all over the world connected through a network that we can use. Um, and, and so we just started thinking, hey, what if we do, created comic books? What if we, you know, in the process of creating this movie or this movie franchise, if you will, um, they, that we started to just harness some of that, that power to tell the stories in an innovative way. <clears throat> and so all that being said, it's been fun to, to launch off in that direction, but at the same time, I didn't want to burn every bridge in the traditional market. I, you know, I, I was approached by uh, Bethany and Lifeway to do a, a series for guys, um, both on the fiction side and then potentially some, you know, study guides, that kind of thing. It was honor, I was honored to be approached by them, and the irony of, you know, here I am, I've made my name um, in these these war novels, and the poster child publisher for the Amish fiction bonnet book is <laughs> is wanting is wanting to do it was a, a simple fit, man. Yo, yeah, no, I mean, and I and I and I just gotta say, I, I have a slight tangent. I don't know if I've ever laughed harder than the description of chastity virtue. Um, <laughs> that was money. That was money. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, chastity's gonna have a bright future, man. My, my favorite part of that was uh, that her favorite missionary was Christopher Columbus. <laughs> I don't know. And maybe there's just a special level of laughter you get if you know the inner workings of the way that I don't know. I, I just that was that was special to me. Um, but but Bethany, I mean, and I and it was just funny. Bethany's awesome. People love meeting all of them. 
Um, Zach, I think I met your wife when I went out there to visit them one time um, at the at the at the place. But it was it was one of those things where I walk in the door and I felt very awkward because it you know their offices are very quiet, very calm. I mean, it looks like this is where you publish Amish fiction. You know? So there's there's no electricity in their offices. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's by oil lamp. You know yeah, you have to oil lamp and there there's people like sort of threshing wheat and churning butter in their offices. But once yeah. you get used to that, it's a great place. Transcribing on, you know, on papyrus with quills, you know, it's, it's a lot of that. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, so I realized that they, they just, it just was really neat to see their excitement for uh, this content. I think they saw the potential. And, and like you'd said earlier, I think Ted, just where, where men don't have that, um, that, that book that tells them the truth. I mean, that's the best way to put it. It's, it's not that there's never been, fiction for men in the, in the Christian, the CBA market. It's that I think a lot of it is a, a guy will recognize when he's not being shown the whole story. And, and when it comes down to, you know, you look at the bestseller list on the New York times and there's male driven fiction all over the place on that. But because those books are honest and they're, they're telling what war is like or what, you know, whatever is, is authentic and like, it's not, there's not a, a gloss on it. And so I think they love the idea of, of sort of being countercultural, a bunch of rebels at Bethany right now. Um, and they they wanted to publish something, and I, and I told it, we were joking with the marketing team. I mean, I think the last like half of this book, Caleb's walking around with this head hanging off of his belt of some giant that he's killed, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm like, I, I guarantee you, no Bethany fiction title has had that occurrence. <laughs> no, it's crazy. I was just there a week or so ago. They they've been doing the same thing at the Bethany offices now. Like, <laughs> yeah, the executives will walk around with heads. Their belt. So you you've started something, man. God, I'm so glad to hear that. I, I'm yeah. just I'm grateful, and I, I just can't imagine you know trying to give that sales pitch to some of these independent Christian bookstores. Well, this one's about Caleb, and and they're like, well, is, oh, is it like Caleb's romance when they're wandering in the desert? And well, no, it's it's when he's killing giants in the hill country, and and you know I, I can just see the the look on someone's face as they read this the first time, not quite expecting that. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to wonder if. Uh... This, there's some truth to, to, to hear. Word on the street. I sometimes hear buzz. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Here's what I heard, man. Rachel McRae, do you know who that is? I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she writes all the, like, uh, she does the bu- fiction buying. She writes these really kind of uh, influential things on, on Lifeway's blog. Mm-hmm. I heard, we got a little, we got a little uh, publishing kind of scuttlebutt going on. In, inside, inside the NFL, if you will. This okay. Is what, I, I will. This is what they call talking shop, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hear that she hears back from all of her uh, her store managers and such saying everyone keeps coming into these stores asking for these books by Cliff Graham and the last couple new ones we we can't get we because I mean, we could special order them but they're not coming in through the regular distributors mm-hmm. and we really need these books you know this guy's books to be uh, able to just fast track into the stores. So she called her friend at Bethany and was like, you do whatever it takes to get this Cliff Graham guy, you know, wow. offer him a severed head to hang from his belt or whatever. Right. And yeah. then and feed then, him grapes and fan him with. That's with what it kids. takes. That's what it takes. Nothing short of that. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so they came to you. Is that, is there some truth to that? Or did you make the decision like, ah, I'll see who, who I want to do this next book with, or were you drawn kind of kicking and screaming like, like, uh, Augustine into the bishopric? <laughs> That's a, that's a great reference, by the way. Um, no, I I tell you what, I was not. Um, I had not officially, you know, sort of sort of left the the arena of traditional publishing entirely. Like I said, I, I didn't burn the bridge. I just was trying to explore and experiment with a lot of different things. And no, my my agent brought this to me from uh, Bethany, and they had you know, and to to again, 
hop in the way back machine here, you know, rewind a bit. Back when the King David series was on the mar- was in the market for um, a publishing deal, Bethany had made a really cool and competitive offer. They seemed really excited about it. And um, and I'd always just liked them. I like Dave Long, the guy that runs it over there for the fiction side, and, and just good people. And and I I always thought, man, there's there's probably going to be a chance one day to work with these guys if I just you know we keep holding our uh, our options open. And so sure enough, yeah, Lifeway. Uh, I think Rachel reached out to to them, and and so they they approached me about it, and they said, hey, you got anything in the hopper um, that that we can do? And so I said, well, yeah, I've got this idea to to tell the story of the Exodus. And the con, you know, in the wilderness and the conquest from the perspective of Caleb, who's another one of those characters that people know very little about, but he's a fascinating guy. And so I think they really like that, um, especially you know some of the themes are dealing with aging and how it doesn't matter, and you know you should still be out there kicking some Rizzle. tail when you're eighty five. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so. so Cliff, the other the other one that I heard was uh, that you and uh, Mark Driscoll had a bet for $150,000 that you could actually get Bethany to publish a book that featured a severed head hanging from somebody's person. Now, now I don't know where you get your information there, uh, Zach, but I, it's, it's, it's pretty, that's pretty scary that you would know about that bet. Um, it's actually, actually $250,000 uh, between oh. Mark and I. Wait, which gives you 50000 extra after you buy your way onto the New York yeah. Times. <laughs> oh, there it is. Too soon. There it is. <laughs> Too soon, yeah. No, I, I tell you, there. You no, know, all that aside, I there there has been a running joke. Thinking, man, I can't imagine again a, a more different genre for the brave folks at Bethany to dive into than the stuff that I write. Because yeah. I, I guess I don't know. I mean, I don't know, man. I think I could see some kind of fifty-five-year-old lady, in, you know, in Kansas who who just loves her monthly Bethany release, and and she picks this up and is just I don't know if it just ruins her or what, but <laughs> I think it's. Gonna, Cliff, I think that too. Um, I'm sure it's just because of of who they have in their design department and stuff. It's a it's a cool looking cover, but I think that the cover of like Day of War would scare off your average yeah. middle aged woman fiction <laughs> Christian fiction reader. This one, I could see someone picking up and being like, "Oh, this this is a is a is an adventurous romp." I heard in yeah. certain markets, like in Kansas, instead of sort of the the warrior silhouette, there's a actually. There's an Amish woman in a bonnet. Oh, yes. on, on this book? Back, on this book, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, so we're targeting, we're target marketing, Ted. You know, what we're doing is we're saying, hey, in middle America, um, in, in the mom and pop Christian stores, it, it's going to be a woman with a butter churn. And, yeah. she's, and she's, she's gazing wistfully and longingly at the mountains in the background, that's knowing right. that her, her beloved will soon return. Um, that's, right. that's, that, that's the marketing for that. And then, you know, we get over into the sort of the, the, the West Coast, Upper West Coast area. It's going to be a guy, you know, watching the sky for signs of global warming. Um, you know, we're we're on the East Coast. I mean, there's, there's every every region. Bad shirt. Yes, thank you. It, it, yeah, lumberjack. You know, looking at the sky, but he's not really a lumberjack. He just looks like one. Exactly. Um, he's watching the sky. So yeah, we're all about. The, and then of course in Texas, you know, it's straight up Caleb's holding up a severed head with the blood dripping down his arm. And and you know and a Bible in one hand and the head in the other and that's that's how you market in Texas. And a T-shirt that says "Secure Our Borders." Yeah, that's exactly. Actually, exactly. Cliff, I heard that uh, again. It's more scuttlebutt. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. it's a, a cease and desist letter from a church whose logo is actually a guy holding a severed head in one hand <laughs> in, in Texas. So they, they had to pull the plug on that. So they're they're listening live. You're saying that's what they're doing. They're listening live and already complaining about us. They are. They are. <laughs> Hey, tell us about this movie, man. Is, is this coming out at some point? I'm really uh, I'm yeah. excited about it. Well, you know, I tell you, so we, 
All right, so the movie process, I think one of the things that everyone agreed up front was uh, this can't suck. You know, it has to be good. It has to be cool. Uh, Wait, is it a Christian movie? Because if it's a Christian movie, doesn't it kind of have to suck? No, well, you know, that's that's typically the rule. But but it's <laughs> we're, we're trying to buck a little bit. <laughs> You're going to get me in a lot of trouble. The, uh, the idea that, that we've got this movie that I, I think the idea is that they just want it to be awesome. And we, we decided going into it, the longer, harder road is awesome. Um, the short, the shorter, faster, quicker road is is to just kind of grind something out and just cast whoever and get whatever crew, and then we just kind of do it. But but I think what the filmmakers have done, which I just admire them, um, they're they're just guys, they're men of integrity. They they're they're craftsmen. They really want to do the right thing and uh, make this make this uh, make this really good. And so that has taken a number of years in the pre in the development phase to tack on the right uh, crew, the right casting director, the right, I mean, everything like that's just taken time. And so it is, it is uh, going forward right now. They're, they're in the thick of the casting process. They're um, teeing up things with a major studio uh, that, that has bitten off on it. And so I think the, here we go back to the franchise word, but the, the idea is that you make the first one really good. And then you've got uh, the passion of the Christ with sequels, if you will. Um, that's, that's kind of the idea that you've got this, this epic that can be told um, Game of Thrones style, maybe, uh, yeah. where you got that hard, gritty edge, but it's just the saga that goes on. Um, that's what I think they liked about my books, the fact that it wasn't just this kind of once-and-done story, but that it was this narrative in progress. Um, and so, yeah, so everyone's taking the time doing it right. They're, it's, so it's been several years. If you, I think, Zach, you've been kind of following our stuff for a while, but we're at the end of this development cycle, and uh, I think really soon it'll start going public in a big way. And it'll have been worth it. I think just the taking the time to do it right is what was important to everybody. Uh, if this thing winds up being uh, PG-13, we're all going to be very disappointed. <laughs> you know, that's so funny because, like, I, I think it's the, – the rating system and the way Christians view that is just – I, I want to shake the TV or the radio sometimes because I, I think they think that it's like 10 reformed pastors sitting in a, in a conference room and coming up with moving rate movie ratings and you know it, it, it's just not that i mean what it's a bunch of people that they're 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 not christians and they just they have a checklist of the number of f words you can use the number of beheadings you can show and literally i mean if you go one check beyond what the authorized nine beheadings are you get an r you know if you stick it at eight it's okay i mean a child can watch eight beheadings and they're just fine but if you take it to nine well my gosh you've just ruined that little soul so yeah, so I think so that you got this checklist, and it's more elaborate than people realize about how how a rating is determined. And so, yeah, that's definitely part of the process because you've got guys that are writing, you know, thirty million dollar checks for this, that, and the other, and they're trying to you know hedge their investment against a mass audience approach. At the same time, you're kind of going, wait a minute, why was that PG thirteen and that was R? Sometimes it doesn't make a look like a sense. So. You know. is, is it a, a Day of War where the three kill like everybody? Like <laughs> that's a recurring plot motif. People. Yeah, that's a recurring plot motif. Um, pretty much in each of the books, you're going to get uh, the you know these are the three mighty warriors. And and what I'm trying to you know it says it right there in the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up, which is kind of funny. I mean, it just says right there. So and so took his stand in this field and did this thing. And you know, each one I, I want to kind of profile each character in each book and what their great deed was. And again, not just because of the joy of slaughter. I mean, I can. I can hear Rachel listening to this now and, and throwing her pen at the screen. I, you know, just sort of, we, we have to make sure it's not just this wanton violence. I think it's just about the willingness that a guy, you know, that these guys had, they were called to stand on behalf of the weak and the oppressed. And it was like, if I don't hold this rock, my whole family gets slaughtered. 
So they have to, you know, and I think it's fighting out of desperation is the, the idea I was going for. So what, what kind of uh, blowback have you gotten, even just for the books from people who think that you're taking, you know, the, the flannel graph picture of the Bible they had and mm-hmm. turning it into, you know, this really nasty, dirty, bloody thing. You know, um, it's it's not been as bad as I think I originally had um, had feared, and the reason why is I I do a, a pretty lengthy um, disclaimer at the beginning of the books. Uh, normally, that's not good form, you know, when you're an author to write this whole I'm sorry, or I mean, you don't really explain yourself that much, but it kind of ruins the subtle effect, you know. But right. but I but I, so, but here it is, it, yeah. <laughs> but I, but I did every book that we've done together. Yeah, right. by the way. yeah. 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 <laughs> Please don't excommunicate us from whatever we're supposed to be excommunicated from. No, I, I tell you, they, um, I, I write, so I write that up and that, as much as that, I wish I didn't have to do that. It, it has done wonders in the way of avoiding arrows being shot at, at us and at my stuff because I think people enter it with the mindset of, okay, this guy is saying up front, this is fiction, treat it as such. Um, and, and it honestly opens up hearts and minds to the possibility that, hey, when they say people are killing each other in the Bible, that may have actually meant they were killing each other. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> a, a sword stabbing into a person may have felt like this or looked like this. And, you know, as long as – and the other thing too, Zach, is that when we were going through the first – because I would, I would contend that Day of War, that first one, is, 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 is the most violent mainstream Christian fiction release that I'm aware of. I mean, I, oh, you know, yeah. I, we, were, we were looking for the, the boundary, if, so to speak. And I think we were, we've become the boundary. <laughs> so I gave that book to my dad when it first came out before I'd even read it because he's a war buff and it was up his alley. And he yeah. read it and he said uh, – and he reads you know all sorts of war stuff. This is his whole thing. He said yeah. that's the most violent book I've ever read. He didn't, he didn't qualify it with Christian. He said that's the yeah. most – he loved it. And his <laughs> book, he's like that's the most violent one. <laughs> yeah, I know the irony of that. Well, and it's be- – and I think it, but it works because, you know, there's this thing about, you get back to the rating system, you know, an R-rated movie that's for violence, Christians are fine with. But if you throw a little bit of anything sensual or anything like that, you know, that's where you start to cross oh, the line. Yeah. And so with this is I realized that, that I trusted that truth. I was like, okay, I think, I think I can get away with a lot if it's not gratuitous because it's not gratuitous. I'm just trying to say, look, this is supposed to make you suffer when you read it. It's supposed to be hard to read. And and the idea that you know I, I look at and I, and I always told what I told Zonerman was as we were sort of feeling out and we got we did get some pushback from some of the retailers um, and it was it was pretty interesting but but we I kept coming back saying look you, if you can find for me something in the book of Judges that is less violent than what I do then then I'll I'll rein it in but you know as long as there's Jael with a tent a tent stake driving it through Sisera's scalp you know I mean I things just like that yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's there. I mean, it's like, if you find nothing that I wrote is more violent than that. So there we go. Hey man, last thing we want to, we'll let you go in a minute, but last thing I want to kind of hear the story of is this album. I was, uh, Ted and I were driving to a uh, conference we were speaking at on Saturday and I said, you got to hear this album. It's the, the day of war, uh, like tribute album. And he literally turned green with envy. Yeah, I did. You know, Man, I got emergent album with Triple you know? E and yeah. Stellar Card and Stinking Cannon and everybody on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we. <laughs> I just I'm so this is every Monday we should have this because it just pumps me up for my week, man. I'm telling you, nice. um, the uh, no the album. So what happened was is that in the process of creating, so back to that transmedia word um, that Chaz has so popularized. 
um, yeah. you know, we thought about how do we take the stories and then tell them in different medium. And and the day that day of war book, I don't know, man. There, there's something about that book that people have just loved and they've connected to it, and that included a lot of music artists. Um, and I have I had some friends, a buddy of mine, um, Adam Ritter, who works with me from Nashville. He he just put put in the work to to network these musicians who had become fans of my stuff or knew about it, and and we wanted to create that that tie-in. You know, the the as far as we could tell, the first book soundtrack out al- compilation album um you know that we could we could tell in that genre and so we did man it just started coming together all the labels told us you guys are fools you're mad there's no way it's going to happen um you're not going to get any artists the labels aren't going to let them go and then sure enough we ignored that and uh, kept pushing forward and and sure i mean after a long period of time of of just really slugging it out we got everybody in the studio and got some incredible songs written um, and I, I just, I, you know, all sons and daughters, just a lot of these artists that just, you know, they're, they're really popular right now. And it, it was just such a blessing to see that come together with people who are, anyway, so man, we got everything from worship music to hip hop, to rock, to whatever. I mean, it, it's the idea is that it's supposed to be a little something for everybody to connect with the content and the material. Um, I wanted to unfold like David's heart where he's, he goes from the highest of highs to the, the absolute lowest of lows, sometimes in the same day. Um, wanted to have a little bit of that eclectic kind of um, yearning in it. So anyway, that's some artsy language for what we were going for. But but I just I, I was pleased, man. And so we call it praise and arrows. Um, and that's so so the one side of David is praise. He's praising God. And then the other side is arrows where he's fighting the enemy. And so it's something that the warriors chant in the novel, you know, praise to our God and arrows to the enemy. Um, and we just thought that was a cool album name. So it is. It is a very cool album name. And it's a great it's a great album. And it, and uh all of this stuff is awesome, man. We're, we're really excited about uh, the fact that you're you're continuing to put out this kind of quality stuff that that doesn't, you know, kind of mentally retell these stories as if they were prairie romances or or you know old timey Pax TV made for TV movies and stuff. Uh, and 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 God bless you. And, and uh, know that uh, there's a lot of people who who just are really excited for this to continue. Oh, I appreciate that, and, and I'm, and I'm, you know, kidding aside, I'm huge fans of both of your work, Zach. I loved playing Saint; thought that was a great book. Ted, I love your stuff, man. It was your, your Why We're Not Emergent book really spoke to me a number of years ago when I was kind of, you know, wrestling with, oh, what do we say with these people? Um, that was a blessing to my life. So I just, I'm grateful for the two of you. I will be, I, I mean, I watch for the download every week for the Gut Check podcast. I mean, you know, Hemingway stilled the demons with booze and I still it with the gut check podcast just so you know yes. <laughs> dude that's going on the website <laughs> oh my gosh that is spectacular you know what baby we need to sign off with that man that's a walk yeah, off you can't, you can't get any better than that yeah, drop, drop the mic, mic. Drop, drop the mic drop the, drop the phone <laughs> awesome thank you so much Cliff man. thanks so much man it was a pleasure thanks you guys Now pardon me if my heart make it harder, harder. I don't mean for me to be falling off like a leaf But I am getting cold like the wind coming up in autumn So much mud in my water The life I took in was so tainted until I drunk a cut From the stream of the living author But my days to get longer I keep my conscience on lock and on guard Like a barber with clippers when it gets when I start up This gospel got me caught up In the middle of fighting a battle For the sake of the gospel is awesome How I get awestruck fighting when I'm following Jesus the King Oh you better believe it Man I cannot pick away with a whole world for the stumble When it crumble to pieces Look around it's a circle of people that it's work out to be down with the king of kings get the stripes like a deed so the enemies stay down the beneath us